injury, Eddie. Whoa, whoa, whoa! And Eddie! You have to cheat to beat me. I had a legitimate injury that kept me from doing what I love to do most. Wrestling. Kurt Angle suffered a broken leg, a grade three concussion, and severe internal injuries. Do you have any idea what that feels like? To love something so much, it's taken away from you right before your very eyes. Do you have you any idea? You mean like when you screwed me over for the WWE Championship? This is all about the WWE title. Wait a minute, who was that? Who was that? El Gran Luchador. Wait a minute, he just grabbed Eddie Guerrero. JBL's climbing down the cage. JBL has retained the championship. Eddie Guerrero's going to give this El Gran Luchador what he deserves right here. No doubt about it. Eddie's got the mask. He's got the mask in his hand, but Oh, my God. What the hell? That's the general manager, Kurt Angle. You've been hiding behind a fake injury, essay, making my life a living hell, and why? You don't know if you can beat me. You have to cheat to beat me. Make no mistake about it, Holmes. I'll do whatever it takes to win. I lie, I steal, and I cheat. Orale. Men are rewarded by morality. I'm an extraordinary human being, capable of doing extraordinary things. Maybe I can't beat you without cheating, But what if I can? No, where were we? Oh yes, Kurt Angle we was were here. Yes, we're still here. Wow! But we're talking about <laughs> Kurt Angle and Eddie Guerrero. Cool. Isn't that amazing that we were we were there, and then we're here again. Yes. And we're still talking about SummerSlam. It's all good. I know. Yeah. We've been talking about it longer than the show itself. Yeah. Well, almost. Almost. Yes, good angle, Eddie Guerrero. I very much enjoyed it. was this. great, wasn't it? Yes. It was awesome. And the result was awesome too. And there's also, as we've already discussed, weird, again, like, because we've seen in the past Hogan get cheered a lot in Canada and everything. You wouldn't think Canada would be all for the, hey, look, here's the pro-American character and everything. See, he because he was never as such, when you really think about it, he wasn't really pro-American, he was pro-angle. Hmm. He never, he never really pushed the red, white, and blue. He pushed the, I'm Kurt Angle, and I want a gold medal with a broken frickin' neck. <laughs> Damn it. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he pushed his athletic accomplishment, not his his place of origin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Well, so, but still, they do the whole you suck when he, when he comes out, because yeah. you got it at this stage. He hadn't fallen into the Marvel comic universe. They didn't do an origin story with Angle, you know. <laughs> Just here, here's Angle. He is a he is medalist. That is all. Yes, that's his superhero name. Ah, medalist. Mm-hmm. How are you today? Or, or if it was ninety seven, he'd be the Patriots. Well, they did have the same music, yes. so only one of them done it well. Yes, and it wasn't the Patriot. 
whose name, once again, I have forgotten. Dale Wilkes. Dale Wilkes. It doesn't sound like a, a wrestler. This sounds like an accountant. I must have a meeting with Dale Wilkes today. I'm going to get my car redone by Mr. Wilkes. Hmm. Oh, buddy, Dale Wilkes is back again. Him with him with no banter. He, he was very he was very um prominent, or he was mostly prominent in Japan, was he not? I believe so. I've heard yeah. all Japan mostly. I think. Yeah, because that's where he that's where he done mo where he went and plied his trade, as it were. Mm -hmm. Very big in Japan. He went and wrestled Vader a few times. He was in WCW, he was briefly in WCW Tag Team <laughs> Champions with, then with Marcus Alexander Bagwell, not quite yet Buff Bagwell. Ah, Marcus Alexander. Yes, to use his full Sunday name. Was he not quite Buff yet? Not yet. <laughs> anyway, Angle, he, he wrestles Eddie pretty easily, like, you just remember, yeah, I want a gold medal and just takes him down to yeah, the match. Yeah, he makes Eddie, he spends the first portion of the match making Eddie look like a bitch. Yeah. Eddie decides, ah, but I, you do an ankle lock, but I will also do an ankle lock. <laughs> yeah. There's a cool moment where they both have ankle locks in, but obviously Eddie has to let go of his first because Angle is better at the ankle lock. Oh, duh, mm -hmm. obviously. It's Angle, for God's sake, man. Mm -hmm. Eddie does get the upper hand, but Angle, you know, still has to be the heel, and despite his superior wrestling ability, he resorts to the, the old poke in the eye, you know. He doesn't, have, he doesn't have to, but he chooses to. That's just good old-fashioned sportsmanship. Yeah, that's all that is. He's got some like blood in his face, which I think is the the commentary try to say was from the the uh, the thumb to the eye. I don't know if Angle accidentally caught him with a nail or whatever and cut Eddie or whatever. Very hit. I'd have to say that because I hardly think a thumb to the eye done in a wrestling way would have done that. I'm just saying some blood just randomly appears and no one can explain it. <gasps> I know, blood. <laughs> I mean, it's very tame on the 2004 Eddie Guerrero scale, as we all know. Yes, we know. I, do you know I went through my wrestling collection our day and was happy to find out that I had that pay-per-view where he becomes a bloody mess? Yes. Yeah. I was happy to find that out that I have that. It's a good historical pay-per-view to watch. Yes. When a man loses half the blood in his body and then goes backstage and collapses through shock, if I remember rightly. Yes. Not so good for the man, but good no. visually. Yeah. You know. Uh, we have Luther Reigns on the outside taking cheap shots at Eddie Guerrero. Luther was, do you know what I think? Luther was the right kind of heel lackey in this match. Mm -hmm. He didn't get too involved and made it count when he did. Mm -hmm. You know? See if he'd never have been a wrestler <laughs> and just been a lackey. Uh. He'd have been a cracking lackey. See if you just stood there and just doing nothing. You'll be, oh, you'll, less be, wee bit here and there. you'll be smashing. Aye. Don't try and do the wrestling they used to. Look, don't try and make them like you. It'll uh, no work. We already don't like you. See you, you're you're no quite a wrestler. You're a big guy, but you're no a wrestler. Aye. I could have made it I could have made a quote for a thing I just watched, but then it would have made me feel bad. Okay. Well I just watched the Dark Side of the Ring Marty oh. episode. I haven't seen that yet. Have you not seen it yet? Oh god, I ain't got I'm glad I haven't made any quotes yet. I do like the fact that it's called the world according to Marty Janetti. Yeah. Uh, I will say well without any major spoilers by the end of it. I just feel bad for the guy. Uh -huh. You know, I just genuinely feel bad for the guy. Hard fucking existence. Mm -hmm. Hard existence. But 
as a lot of shoot interviews will probably tell you, there's a good 50 to 60% of that that's brought on himself. Yeah. <laughs> He's a mad character. <laughs> oh, mad man. What are you going to do with him? Okay, I kind of wish you'd see it now so I could share an anecdote that was really funny on the thing, but uh, like I say, as soon as you get a chance to see it, yeah. it's, great. it's a great one. It's a sad one, but it's a great one. Mm-hmm. We have uh, the Let's Go Angle chance starting getting very loud, so much so the commentary does acknowledge it, and then they repeat Cook King's line, oh, we're from Brazil, we're all cool. No, yeah, that's how they dealt with back then. Oh, oh, look. Chanting for the wrong man. Bizarro world. Oh no. Chanting for the heel in Canada. Oh no. These Canadians are supposed to be polite people. They're cheering for the one we don't want them to cheer for. Utter bastards. We want a new Jewish person. Well, we say fuck you, buddy. No, they're cheering for the guy we don't want them to cheer for you now, son. Let me talk to you. Yeah. Hell, we didn't have him on this show. It is a shame because he's a fucking legend, man. He's great. A lot of this... Do you know why he's a legend? Because he's LA Knight. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in the video, they made a lot about Angle still being pissed off at Eddie cheating. Yeah, but the shoe thing. So, Angle makes that a thing in this match where he keeps trying to take Eddie's shoe off. He's like, I'm not going to let you do it again. Take off that fucking shoe. It's a force. Spends a lot of time trying to get into Eddie's boot for... I don't know, it's Eddie that, that thumbs Angle in the eye. I've forgotten this. Yeah. Angle that got thumb in the eye. Uh, every minute properly. See, Eddie gets these three amigos. There's a belly to... He goes to the top for a frog slash, but Angle leaps up to the top rope with a belly to belly. Mm. Later on, he goes for another uh, frog slash, but Angle avoids that one as well. Angle slam. Eddie... As well, the referee's distracted. Eddie picks up the boot that's now come off and uses that as a weapon. Yeah. Uh, he gets a frog splash, but that's only enough for doing it. Then Eddie hits Angle's fro- uh, angle slam. Yeah. Then eventually Angle gets him down, gets that exposed foot, and gets him in the ankle lock. Yeah. The submission went in 1338. So, what you going to do, Take your sock off, you prick. Hey. There you go. And commentary trying to tell us, oh, the, the, the foot is exposed, which means the ankle lock is twice as painful now. Okay. All right, then. Can you say, oh, no, he lost? It's painful, uh, but they're explaining also why Angle is getting the shoe off. You know, trying to show, uh, this is what you get, you bastard. Mm-hmm. This food would continue, but mainly, mainly on TV. They would have a, a two out of three falls match. Mike, they didn't want to do a pay-per-view and have the crowd cheer for Angle again, did they? Well, no, well, I mean, it was that big, and the X-Magnum PP wasn't until October, so they had plenty of time on TV. Uh, plenty of time to cool it down. They had a two out of three falls match, which Angle won again, but this but it was because of interference on the outside in the third fall by Luther Reigns. So to avoid outside interference, uh, Terry Long booked a Lumberjack match a couple of weeks later, which ended inconclusively as well, because all the Lumberjacks started brawling, it was a big brawl, and then the big show came back, oh. and battered everyone. Oh no! A big show with last man on TV after Kayfabe Bender and Angle put him in that wheelchair and he was still annoyed at Kurt Angle. So then all of a sudden, no matter oh by the way, now we're doing Angle versus The Big Show. Which again, <laughs> to show how weird 2004 was, part of the angle for that was Mark Dindrak who, as I said before, aligned himself with Luther Reigns and Angle. Shoot, he and Luther Reigns attacked Big Show. As Big Show was fending off, Angle grabs a tranquilizer dart, shoots it at The Big Show, like he's a fucking bear. 
Uh. And while he was unconscious, he, they shaved part of the Big Show's head, and then Big Show says he shaves the rest of his hair so he can remind himself of the humiliation of Kurt, what a Kurt Angle did to him, and I'm going to use that to destroy Kurt Angle. Would, would the best way to use the humiliation be not shaving the rest of your hair and looking at the misaligned hair? I think it was just an excuse for Big Show and Willie to cut his hair because his hair was a right as a rag at that stage. Yeah. Plus, I think Big Show is better. Well, at that stage, especially when he was born, because unless he's going to look like early nineties two thousands Big Show with the with the blonde hair, looking at long hair or maybe kind of shortish hair. Aye. At this point, his hair was kind of curly at the back and was looking very much thinner. So, like, get get that off, mate. You look ridiculous. Aye. Big Big Paul, with all due respect, get it fucking shaved. <laughs> Oh, you, other, his name being Paul. Yeah, that's alright, that's alright. Mm. My hair's fine. Yes. Anyway, then we cut back to, to the Raw announced team and we've got Triple H versus Eugene. And I'm actually, I had a, a video package which is more dramatic than it really needs to be. Yeah, I'm gonna, I am going to tell you exactly my opinion on this match uh -huh. very easily. Uh -huh. I'm going to let you talk about it whilst I look for doubts in my ashtray. That's how much head drama I... And I watched this match, and that's still how much respect I give it. Mm -hmm. Nothing against... Uh, what was his name? In real life, Nick Dinsmore. Nothing against him. From what I hear, he did actually wrestle under different monikers as well. Mm -hmm. Reasonably good guy in ring. Mm -hmm. Nothing against him. But the less I say about Eugene, the better it'll probably be for all involved. So, how do we get to Eugene versus Triple H? Fuck knows why. That's not something I'm going to tell you. Oh, let me talk to I you. strap in? Yes, let what? me talk to you. Yeah. I'll tell you a tale. So, also we got Eugene, the character, the kayfabe. Um, um, well, nephew of yeah. Eric Bischoff. Yes. Who reluctantly got my job and didn't want him here? He's got William Regal, who Who's was a chaperone. They need to manage him. And Regal, the segments, while Regal says some things that maybe he wouldn't be allowed to say now when he describes Eugene, the series of vignettes when he's brought to Raw, the way he's Eugene is described to him, and then when he realizes who Eugene actually is, and he gives him a hug and he's like Eugene Regal manager, and he hug, hugs William Regal like, well, we're gonna have a chat with Uncle Eric, aren't we? <laughs> Dirty rotten swine. <laughs> and then it's the exact words he says to Eric Bischoff. These are his words. Like, you can't saddle me with that window liquor. <laughs> he's he's too lally. He's not well, he's not arguing with me, he's not right. And Eric Bischoff goes, Eric Bischoff like, he's special. You're damn right, he's special. You can't saddle me with that window liquor. He's in one of the commentary, starts licking Eric Bischoff like, wacky. Bushwhacker starts licking, you're all like, hey, get him off of me. And then grabs the microphone and sticks in me. He's like, no, no, dear boy, I don't want to be interviewed. <laughs> but then also the whole thing is, oh, look, Eugene is actually a good wrestler. Because he's... Uh, he's a big fucking simple heated ball bag, but he can wrestle. Right, and he mimics the... the because, because he has he has memory of moves, so he just copies. Copies the moves of his favourite wrestlers. Yeah. I mean, Nick Dinsmore did pitch this as a wrestling savant. Like he was not, he was a bit simple, but he really he had a. But where his true genius lied was in wrestling and mastering. So Nick Dinsmore had a better idea for the character, and as per Vince McDuckett, now ah nah, just be a retard that we funny. Well, there's the idea of being like 
they don't seem intelligent outside, but there's a particular field that they actually excel at. Yeah. But, and I think and his idea was wrestling, and then, yeah, maybe they basically made Eugene Alley act like a literal child, like an overgrown child. Overdone, like dumbass child. And then, but then they established on TV that Eugene's favourite wrestler is Triple H. So you, Triple H in the lead up to Vengeance, when he was getting his one-on-one rematch for the world title against Chris Benoit, tried to manipulate Eugene and use the fact he was Eugene's favourite wrestler to his advantage. Mm-hmm. They even said, oh, I'll make you an honorary member of Evolution. Mm-hmm. And there's a segment where Ric Flair goes, you can't bring Eugene into Evolution, what are you thinking? <laughs> and he's like, oh no, he's going to help me win back the world title and then he'll outlive any usefulness he has to be. The clip of that that they show in this video package for something, but they don't show you is that was also that was used in the lead up to Vengeance, where mm. Chris Benoit was listening in on them and tried to smarten Eugene up to like they're they're using you, but eventually going into the movie Triple H managed to get Eugene back on side, and then at Vengeance, you know, Triple there was a tug of war between Benoit and Eugene for the first for steel chair, which Eugene got control of, but they accidentally swung it backwards and hit Triple H, which then cost Triple H the title. And then, so the next night on Raw, Triple H pretends like, I'm not mad at you, I'm not mad. And then tells, oh my god, boy, you should go talk to your Uncle Eric, he's a bit mad. And he was, I wish I was mad at him, he goes, you know what? He ended up booking him in a world title match against Benoit. There's a weird shit where Benoit gets hit by a rock bomb and puts his foot on the rope. But then Eugene still thinks he won and celebrates with the belt and outcome evolution. Like, hey, Triple H, look, I won the belt. And then they, he gets beaten up four on one, which in this video package... They do the overly dramatic, which I love at this time period. Every punch is an explosion. Like, yeah. They do dramatic, oh, you know, like music over it. <laughs> like, Eugene, I was never your friend. <laughs> well, they, what they don't include in this video package is probably one of the best promos William Eagle has ever cut. And that's saying something because William Eagle was a hell of a promo. Mm. But when Eugene gets revenge by costing Triple H a match on Raw a few weeks later for the world title. A week later, he releases it there. He's feeling like, Eugene, get your ass out of here. And then it comes William Eagle going, dear, dear me. We have got, we have got lost our temper, haven't we? <laughs> and then goes, who, what kind of diabolical villain would have helped Eugene get into the building to interfere in your match? Well, it was me, wasn't it? He references the two being a brief partnership in WCW. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, if you don't take advantage of anyone other than that poor boy Eugene, I would have admired your cunning. But you should not take an advantage of that disadvantage, boy. Because <laughs> now you've made an enemy of me. And he just starts getting properly screaming in there going, I will happily change it to my turn. I will battle you with every bounce of violent venom I have in my veins. <laughs> and he does his best when we go, but he gets battled with a sledgehammer in that match. Aye. And then gets carried in a stretcher and everything. And, Re- and Eric Bishop, being the sick bastard that he is, rewards Triple H by giving him the match against Eugene. And then there's a there's an episode overall where Eugene is in a hotel room with William Regal and Regal tells him stay put stay where you are, so Regal then Eugene ignores him and goes to confront Triple H at the arena, hmm. and Triple H but Triple H is expecting that and then broke into Eugene's hotel room, and while on the screen while Eugene was in the ring just once again beat up William Regal, <laughs> so twice Triple H beat up William Regal just to get to Eugene, hmm. and. I'll say all this, Triple H has been as much of a bastard as you can possibly be in this feed. Yep. So what happens every time Eugene does does any bit of offense? Boo! <laughs> Canada did not like Eugene. Yeah, people didn't want to see the window licker try and wrestle. I like that. I'm going to stick with that phrase for Eugene from now on. And 
you know, Triple H does his best to be the bastard in this match. Oh, yes. You know. He does it right. They do a bit of a punch exchange and re Eugene sends him to the outside, but then that's where he tries to... Triple H uses Lennon Garcia as a, as a shield, throws her down to the ground, and she feigns an ankle injury, which I think that basically opens the door for, for Howard Finkel to do the introductions for the main event. Yeah. But then Eugene leans down to try and help her, Triple H kicks him in the head. <laughs> Daryl Lawler keeps making jokes. Daryl Lawler just loves the idea of like cracking open his centuries-old joke about to make jokes about how stupid Eugene is. Mm. Eugene, he goes, Eugene couldn't tell you if uh, he said, one of his jokes was Eugene couldn't tell you what a, what a silver dollar is made of. Mm. I asked him. I, I said, I said, how are you, Eugene? He took me. It took ten minutes to come up with an answer. Mm. Triple H does that where he fakes a knee injury to get the referee back Eugene off of him and then he also immediately goes, ah, it's a miracle, I am I can walk again. <laughs> the, 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 Eugene does the 10 punches in the corner, crowd boos. Yep. Cause it's a rock bottom and it's a, Triple H goes for a spine bust. He goes for people's elbow, Triple H pops up and it's a really wicked looking spine buster. Yeah. Because Triple H pops up and like, look at me, I'm just like Arn Anderson, aren't I? Well, he did do a fantastic spine buster back the day. He really did. One thing I learned about Arn Anderson recently, as much as he is famous for the Spine Buster, it wasn't actually his finishing move. Was it? No, it was it? His finishing move was a DDT. Oh, was it? It's just the fact that he was so good at doing the Spine Buster. I don't think he invented the move, but he was just so good at it. The more you know, huh? Mm-hmm. The more you know. Well... And knowing is half the battle. Yeah, knowing is half the battle. <sighs> uh, Eugene gets a legit cut right about his arm and upper like shoulder blade when yeah. he gets ripped in the east. and I think I mentioned to you I don't know if I mentioned it on there or not I went to a signing in 2012 I think it was 2012 or 2011 uh huh I'll, I'll, I'll say it was 2012 just for you know argument's sake I don't think you've mentioned this so you're okay but I went to see anyone comics where there was a saying where the where Chris Masters and Eugene were there Hurrah. and someone in front of me had a copy of SummerSlam 2004 and they got Eugene to sign it and he goes, oh, this is where I wrestled Triple H and everything. And he talks about how he still got, like, he was a legitimate, like, gash and how he still got the scar and he's, like, upper shoulder from that match, from this, from mm. that spot. Cool. Which is a nice little bit of free insight from, from Eugene. Yeah. Who apparently, I don't know what it's called, but I think, he, I think he's been, he's been, a, he's marred a successful career as a wrestling trainer. Yeah, but, I think so. He, he trains for NXT or something. Like, I think he's appeared once or twice as, I guess, trainer, but... Been a fair amount, I mean, he's been a fair bit of time in OVW back in the day. Multiple time OVW champion and all that. Yeah. So he's not actively wrestling now, he's just. Well, I, think, I think he's. I think he wrestled like mostly a bit local indies for majority of the time after this. He managed to stay employed as Eugene until like at least 2007, but he just was less and less of a presence. Yeah. Like. His next high point, two high points after the Triple H feud is he and he and Wego won the tag team titles, but then they have to they lose well they kind of lose them shortly after the New Year's Revolution pay per view because during the period where they defend them against Christian and Tonko, he fucked his knee and had to be, go be out for a couple of months. Didn't they have? Uh, didn't they have him briefly before the whole the sign thing thing fucked up? Didn't we? I would briefly have. I'm involved in Mahalata Sands. Well, well, they had him in that segment at Mania, and then he got beaten up, and then Hogan came to his rescue. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming if the Hassan thing hadn't went tits up like it did, 
Like a prop where I had Hassan Davari against Hogan and him at Mania, maybe. You know, I know they did Hassan and Davari against Hogan and Michaels. Yeah, and that's what led to Michaels kicking yeah. him in the face. But then, yeah. then, and then it took late 2005 Angles doing this all. He was easily to invite local jobbers to fight him for his gold medal in a quick couple of minute squash. Yeah. And then he went, I'll fight anybody. Eugene came out and got the upset win. <laughs> so Eugene starts parading around and goes, Hey, look at me, I got an Olympic gold medal. <laughs> and like Angle would introduce his kind of introduce his opponents every week, goes, Who what's your name? Where are you from? Roderick Strong, who of Ring of Honor fame and that was one time at one of his guys, Matt Stryker made his first WWE appearance as one of these guys. And then Wink, uh, they did a show in Pittsburgh after after he won the medal and Angle mm-hmm. came out and Eugene did the thing back in. So tell us, what's your name and where are you from? Are you serious? What's your name? Where are you from? I'm Kurt Angle. And then Angle got very brutal revenge at SummerSlam that year and won back his medal. Yeah. And that was pretty much the high point for Eugene, other than getting battered by Sandman the following year at One Night Stand. Yeah, I remember that. That was funny. Anyway, so yeah, well, long story short, I met, I briefly met Eugene once, got a photo with him in Masters, which I've lost since lost. Well, I still have st- both awesome and shitty. Look- awesome that you got it, shitty that you lost it. I still have an has a, they're both their autograph somewhere framed. That's a good thing. And uh, long story short, I met them, and I know that this <laughs> legit gave him a cut and a scar that he still got to this day. That's mm-hmm. what missed it. Uh, they do a sleeper hold bit, but then Eugene does he does the Hulk up. Speaking of Hulk Hogan, that's a stunner, which Joe H does hell bounce for, and people do pop for that. But then quickly go back to realising, wait, we don't like you. <laughs> but then out comes Ric Flair to the ring, who puts Triple H's foot on the rope. Yeah. And then eventually he starts getting sent back to the locker room by the referee, and he's doing his triple. What, do you, what are you talking about? Do you not know me? I'm Ric Flair. Throwing his jacket around like... <laughs> and then swear slowly from out of the dark, the poorly lit part of the arena, out comes William Regal with his little breath, with his breath next his power of the punch and knocks Flair the fuck yeah. out. And Eugene's like, yay! Oh, I should have mentioned at one point he did hit a uh, Triple H with a pedi- with his own pedigree. I think that's the spot where they put the he put his foot on the rope. Yeah. Because Triple H tries twice before then to get the pedigree and Eugene carries it twice. And then Triple H gets a bite and Eugene tries his face like, Eugene, turn around, turn around. Yeah. Turns around into a pedigree. One, two, three, and then 14 minutes and six seconds, Triple H defeats Eugene. Cool. And then... What do we have next? Uh, the whole... Uh, where, like, JR is passively fighting in Eugene's corner. Yeah. He's like, oh, you said he was... You and Triple H said, oh, he was going to end his career. And I, I don't think he did, man. That completed his and Eugene's career. As a matter of fact, after what happened with that pedigree that Eugene hit, I think Triple H was lucky to win this match. And mm-hmm. loved your logan. Well, that's your opinion. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. You're wrong, but that's your opinion. Well, yeah, then we have Diva Dodgeball. So yeah, there's a face team and there's a heel team and one of them wins the end. Yeah, we have the 2004 Raw Divas. Yeah. I think this is the first year of the Divas. We have six, yeah, six women. Three of them would actually do anything of note in the business. Yeah, one like, of them being fresh, one of them No, 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 I'm talking about on the, the Diva search oh, side. Oh, the Diva search side. Well, the Diva search side, we have Michelle McCool. Right, she did some. She married the Undertaker. And multiple time women's champion. Aye, but and she very done the We have Christy Hemi, who Mary, well, Mary did, did, did stuff. And we have Maria Canellis was a part of this. 
Oh, Maria Canellas, who is part of, she is she was married to Mike Bennett. Mike Bennett. She's been all over the place. She's been in Ring of Honor. She's been in Impact. She's been in AEW. She's been everywhere. Yeah, she is a jack of all trades, Maria Canellas. Yes, she has. But I've always like, I've never ever really seen her as a wrestler as such. But she's yeah. always been cool. Yeah, in recent years, she's kind of set into the kind of managerial role alongside yeah. Mike, like managerial valet type yeah. thing. But I've always thought she was cool. She did her thing, you know. And, and at both at both periods and at both Impact and Ring of War, they made her kind of a authority figure in, in charge of the, specifically of the women's division because she's always been a big advocate of women getting proper airtime and proper airtime and proper representation and yeah. shit. And given that she came up through the DV, this particular era of wrestling, you can't really blame her. No, I cannot. She's seen what it was and she wanted to fucking fix it. Yes. Mouth power tail. Mm-hmm. I kept looking at this and thinking... Was this the dodgeball come out around this time? Is this why they're doing this? The dodgeball may have come out around about that time, but that was disrespectful to women, to women's wrestling, and to dodgeball. So I think if it was, it's, the, it's one of the only times WWE's ever been on the ball in terms of films when films come out. And Aye. so I thought instead of talking about this match, I would give you some fact. I just look up some facts about the film Dodgeball. Yeah, do that. I did. This is Dodgeball's awesome. Dodgeball, a true underdog story to give its full title. You can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. It was released mainly in the US, I think it released a couple months later in the UK. I don't think it actually came out at the time of this. this it actually came out a week or so after this pay-per-view in the UK properly, but it's been out in the US for a couple of months. came out on June 18th, 2004. Has a runtime of 92 minutes. And it's directed by Rostin Marshall Thurber, is I think is the name of the man who directed it. Mm. What I can see of his directing and writing talents after this, he he's mostly been involved with films involving The Rock. Has he? Like Walking what? Tall? No, no, no. Uh, more recent ones, like 2016, The Rock's film Central Intelligence, him and, and uh, Kevin Hart were in a film called Skyscraper, which is basically The Rock, if Rock was in Die Hard, but in a bigger building. Right. And the film Red Notice, which came out on Netflix a couple of years ago, and had that golden egg, which had a storyline on WWE TV for some yeah, reason. I don't remember that or what that was about. Yeah. The Central Intelligence is okay because Rock's in there with Kevin Hart, so you expect, okay, Rock's the big, muscly, straight man, and Kevin Hart's the comedian, but in this one, actually, the Rock's the simpleton, so the Rock actually has more of the funny lines in the film. George huh. Ball was a very successful film for its time, with a budget of 20 million, it made 168.4 million. Yes, it did. Yes. Uh, here, are some tr- here are some things I took, some screenshots from the trivia section of Dodgeball's IMDb page. Ooh. According to the main cast member, the hardest part of filming the Dodgeball scenes was not flinching when they were about to be hit with the ball. Huh. Uh, Justin Long's eyebrow was legitimately cut open when he was first hit with the, when, a, when the first wrench was thrown at him. <laughs> I knew that was how he All the wrenches were, th- were made of rubber, but the first one was harder than all of the others. <laughs> While filming one scene, Ben Stiller broke three cameras in succession <laughs> and once accidentally hit Christine Taylor, he's, he's now, I don't know if he's his wife then, but he's now wife who played Kate in the film accidentally once hit her in the face. Oh. Gary Cole and Jason Bateman, who were the two commentators in the film, had to keep redoing their voice recording for Dodgeball matches because the screenplay kept changing during shoots. <laughs> Uh, Christine Taylor, yeah, they were married at this point because Christine Taylor kept dozing off between tapes because she and Ben Stiller had an 18 month year old baby and she was very sleep deprived. Uh-huh. The entire cast started practicing dodgeball at least exactly a month before filming began. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, it was called the tagline was "Ground Leaf by the Balls" and everywhere except the US, where it was just "By the Ball" for some reason. By the ball. <laughs> it's apparently one of Helen Mirren's favorite movies. Who's Helen Mirren's favorite? One of her favorite movies is Dodgeball. Nice. <laughs> See, I told you Helen Mirren's good stuff, man. When that now that girl scout trip they get battered off of in the in their tryout match. Oh damn you, Bernice! The music they come out to, maybe just since so maybe I didn't notice it. The music they come out to is the same music to tie back to wrestling that the Hollies use. The I didn't know that, so there you go. And those are some of the some of the facts that are more that more, are more, more palatable in talking about this fucking dodgeball match. What I will say is the reason that Chris Stratus is as a coach and not a competitor is there was a seventh woman on the Divas search side. But for whatever reason, I can't find the exact reason why, but for some reason, she just wasn't at the show. Maybe she broke a nail lifting something. They said, they said, oh, one of your team has already been eliminated, but then also said that someone would be eliminated tomorrow night, so maybe they decided, fuck you, you didn't show up for SummerSlam, you're out of here. Yeah. So Trish had to be bumped to coaching, despite being women's champion at the time, I should mention. And they decided, we're not, we're not going to plan this out, it's dodgeball. Let's play a shoot game of dodgeball, where literally... Everyone on the real woman's side got demolished. Only one member of the Divas team went out. What and was that? I don't even I don't even remember. And there was a whole argument about whether or not Gail Kim actually got hit in the head with the ball or did it just hit her hat? Still hell. Mm-hmm. But there's a hat not a part her, her hat's not a part of the body. Yeah. Yes. And then obviously, and then to try and maybe save a segment in some vain attempt, you had, you had uh, Trish and Victoria pushing and shoving each other and had to be broken up by the rest of their team because they were annoyed that they lost. Yeah. And you know who else was annoyed that they lost? Yeah. The rest of the locker room. Like, how can you real wrestlers lose to these bunch of D-Research contestants? And all seven women on the Raw side got taken to wrestlers court. Oh. Because they lost a game of dodgeball. Well, you know, Undertaker acting as judge, as he often did, but this time the prosecutor was Val Venus. Yeah. Yeah? Apparently they just bought him a gift or whatever, that was their pen, that was, that was their penance. <laughs> I don't know what they got, I don't know what, I don't know what kind of gift says, sorry we lost a game of dodgeball, but apparently they all clubbed together. They all, they, all, they all put a ten in each, apparently. A bag of weed. No, and him, yeah, probably a bag of weed. Bag of weed. We all cut, we all cut, we all had a whip round for a bag of weed. There you go, you moody bastard. There you go, Val. Smoke up. There you go, head. Val. You weren't even on SummerSlam, you bastard. Smoke up. There you go. And then Jerry Law said, oh, you're, no, these people are actually booing the women because they cut back to the country. Maybe they're either booing one because you cut away from the one when something interesting was happening. Yeah. Because there were actual fighting going on. Or two, maybe they just didn't want to sit through a fucking dodgeball match on a wrestling show. Yeah. Could that be the simple thing? Yeah. It's like you can't go from Kurt Angle and Eddie Guerrero. It's even a devotion going to, from Triple H. You can't go from Eugene to Triple H to a fucking dodgeball match. Yeah, because these two debate whether the crowd may not have added the way on to. These two put a fucking shift in. They fucking match. did. And you had the little entry bit, like you say, with Slick Rick coming out and getting knocked mm-hmm. the fuck out and then having to be dragged up way a rampway by oh, Triple yeah, H. To, remember? Dragging him like dead weight. Like. <laughs> I mean, no. It, it, it's the way you looked at him, Dave, when he's like. He's like <sighs> sake, you get yourself in trouble all the time. No, I mean, it's probably not the first time I passed through Rick Flair's had to be dragged away, but usually he's had a few drinks before. It's never usually been because he's been knocked out by an Englishman. 
Unless an Englishman was flying around. Maybe. <laughs> but you know what's a weird thing? Like the two matches that get promo packages are Angle, Eddie and Triple H Eugene, which are both really well put together. Mm. You got two world title matches, they get nothing. They go from that whole uh, thing where they come back like all oh, these people are booing the women and then cut back and that's when JBL's entrance and not even a Oh, this angle happened on SmackDown a few weeks ago. Cut back to that thing. Is this the Undertaker match? Yeah. Uh, this match was garbage. Oh, it was garbage. Yes. Like I say, I fast-forwarded through Undertaker's three-day-long fucking entrance, mm-hmm. which by that point just did no gravitas. You know, and then... This is a month after he murdered Paul Bear by burying him in cement. Aye. And what, how does he get rewarded? Have a title match on SummerSlam. We had that, it was your standard, what you would expect for a Hogan-JBL match was a standard slow brawl. This match went 17 and a half minutes belly bell, and yet it's amazing how how little was accomplished. Mm. It was, wait a minute, he'll get a bit up on hand and smack you for a bit, he'll get a bit up on hand and smack you for a bit, the two of you will smack each other a bit, you'll throw out the ring, smack each other a bit, back in the ring, smack each other a bit, bish bash bosh, one is one. Yeah. That the new, size it. The new alliance is one in the time the, the Chief of Staff, Orlando Jordan, because part of the inspiration behind JBL's character, well, one of them was JR from the show Dallas, obviously a big wealthy te- Southern yeah, Texan. Big Texan. Obviously, the other influence being tri- his real life wealth and everything and, and playing off of that. But also, he basically based himself a lot on George B- Bush yeah. at the time, the then president, who was obviously an outlike figure, so. You're an, I'm playing an unlikable figure, I'll be myself on another unlikable figure. Well, JR from Dallas is also an unlikable figure. Has, for has, what you tell me, though, well, in, the, in the public setting, yeah. Kane's more like that. Yeah. He's a mad, crazy Republican, isn't he? Despite claiming, oh, I'm a libertarian, that's not really either side. Yes, well, sometimes libertarians not, may not claim they're on either side, but they end up leaning on one, and he's seemingly learnt leaning. He's leaning very much on the right. He stood as a Republican candidate when he when he ran for mayor. Good on. At, at least these, these these days, there's always a joke I remember about uh, Fox News that Charlie Brooker, the comedian's last TV presenter, did about Fox News. And I think of that way about Kane. Like he's leaning more to the right these days than a man who's had his left leg blown off. You see, the WWE's even got better Republicans than fucking NWA. <laughs> I mean, they've got Tyrus. Who I think is a right wing bob bag at all. Well, he appears on Fox News. Aye, he's NWA belt. Yeah. I mean, oh well, no offence. Well, mild offence, but you know, that's the only time I ever see the NWA belt when I'm looking at politics on YouTube. That's how relevant the fucking thing is now. You know. No, you but anyway, you talked over my joke there. Kane right these days, like Fox News, he's leaning more to the right than a man who's had his left leg blown off. Yeah. That was the joke I always remember. I that was a clever joke. Yes, it was Charlie Burger's joke. I always remember it because it was so clever. But anyway, so yeah, he's based on so long, but George Bush is also the president, so he starts the cabinet, also, which features the chief of staff. And the then, Bashams and Orlando Jordan. Yes, I don't know what they called the Bashams <laughs> in the end when they were... Then he, then he would have Gillian Hall years later as his image consultant, or whatever she was. Yeah. Where is it? Part of the reason JBL even got the team in the first place was they were running. They didn't have a lot of main event heels at the time because Big Show left to take some time off. Angle was injured. They were doing a after Taker returned at Mania. They were kind of doing a 
slightly more part-time thing with him for a little bit. Yeah. And so, plus Taker was kind of a face anyway. Yeah. So they didn't want to do that. So they basically fast-tracked the JBL heel turn. And that plus, that plus Eddie's lack of confidence in his own ability as a drawing champion. I don't think the, 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 the lower numbers that WWE was having at this time was anything to do with him. I think it's just because... Early two thousands, interest in wrestling for the most part was starting to die down. Yeah, with a brief exception of like a lot of hardcore fans who had interest in, like places like TNA or Ring of Honor, which were growing. Or if you were into your Japanese wrestling, you were watching Noah maybe. Yeah, but just in general, if you were on the more casual side, but you really weren't watching much wrestling at all. So it was kind of a weird time to be in wrestling. Yeah. So it kind of put a lot of pressure on someone like Eddie as you know the top champion, based on his first ever reign. Or it would be his only reign. He was going to get another reign, but he sadly passed away before he could get it. Yeah. But uh, but I think JBL uh, Tiger steps in here because obviously he's a, he can be a face going up against a heel. He and Bradshaw are good pals in real life. Like he was yeah. a, he was best man at JBL's wedding apparently. Was he? Was Tiger good pals? So they were. Obviously JBL was part of the ministry back in the day when he was yep. still the acolytes. He was he was a good acolyte. Yes. I'll go through what little I did note because obviously there was a point where I, where I tuned out thinking, oh, I'm making notes because I'm so bored. Yeah. Where Orlando tries to distract them, take a bit backfire, Taker starts unloading with punches on JBL. Whoever's chanting, uh, Bradshaw sucks, so at least they're getting one desired chant. Yeah. Uh, Taker works over JBL's arm, does the old school, bit of a sidewalk slam. Then Taker gets sent to the steps and pretty sure there's even a chair shot behind the ref's back. Yeah, there is. Uh, and so then JBL starts saying, ah, we'll, we'll slow things very much down to a grinding halt here. Works over Taker's oh. leg for a little while. Fans then decide, we're bored now. Because this was a very boring match. So what do they do? The fans start a wave. Yeah. <laughs> got a wave. And, and Taz acknowledges the wave. Taker has snake eyes there, and there's a double kick, double boot spot. Referee gets taken out. Choke slam, last ride, everything. Then JBL has a full down from hell. There's a point where Orlando John tries to come in and do the count for him, but Taker kicks out anyway. Yeah. Orlando John gets tries to use the belt. Taker grabs it off him and hits JBL with it. By that point, the referee's gotten up and called for the DQ. Yeah. 17 and a half minutes ends in a DQ. I don't, I don't, this is a weird rule for me, but if a match is going to go longer than 15 minutes, if it's going to go longer than 15 or 20 minutes, there shouldn't be a DQ involved. First of all, make it worth the 17 minutes. And second of all, have a decent payoff. If you're going to have a match in a DQ, make it fairly short because otherwise you won't be as annoyed. Because the longer a match goes on for, the more pissed off I am when it ends in the DQ. If you want to solidify your champion, have him beat The Undertaker. It's not like he's at a fucking WrestleMania or nothing. Have him win. They thought we need to give the fans something to make me happy about. Undertaker probably did offer just to lose cleanly to Bradshaw because, you know, they're pals and everything. He thought that'll help cement them, but. They really wanted to string this out until the next pay-per-view between these two because they didn't have anyone else lined up for for JBL yet. So mm. they kept the feed going. So they had Taker batter JBL afterwards, slam him on the windshield of his car, leave him but busted open after the belt shot. And Taker goes to walk away and decides, now I'm going to do more damage. Yeah. Picks him up, and I always remember being shocked by this when I was young and seeing the spot for the first time. Picks him up, takes him up to the, lim- to the roof of his limousine. And choke slams him through the roof of the limousine, mm. which does get a, a big, a good reaction. So basically, they hollowed out the top bit of his limousine, and what people didn't realize is there was actually a mattress inside the back of the limousine oh. to break his fall as he went through. 
Well, you might not have seen it. You never you don't see the person have it on camera. I don't know when it happens. But an annoyed fan tries to climb, climbs over the barricade and tries to jump on the roof of the uh, the limousine. And luckily, before he got up too far, somebody from, someone from security grabbed him because if he'd fucked up that, one, he could have fucked up what One, he could have himself fallen through the roof and fucked and injured himself, and that would be a lawsuit on WWE's part. Even though it was his own stupid fault. But you know, that's Americans, you know, they, they'll, they'll see in the slightest provocation, and WWE doesn't want to have a lawsuit on their hands. Yeah, I mean, just look at Chuck Austin. Oh, yeah. We, we don't have, we only have one match left. Hurrah! Tis main event o'clock. Thank Christ. Again, no video package. Because it does feel like these two matches were very hastily put together in terms of your two world title matches when. What would you consider more the number two to WrestleMania, SummerSlam or, or the Royal Rumble? That's, well, how do you mean? Well, in terms of, you've got the four, big four pay-per-views, SummerSlam, Mania, Survivor Series, yeah. Rumble. Also, the number one out of all of them is Mania, because the, they call I'd it the Grand Issue. I'd have to say Rumble. Yeah, I'd have to say that too. I, would, I used to say Survivor Series, but that was back in the day. Oh, yeah. I preferred the original concept, you know, a couple of matches either side of the proper tradition. Mm-hmm. But... I'd have to say Rumble. Rumble, even now, still gives you that level of excitement. Well, it's, like, it's one of the only gimmick matches that people aren't kind of sick of nowadays and feel like they aren't annoyed how many times they might have watched it. Well, no, you look at Rumble, especially now with the kind of, like, physicality of the rest, some of the wrestlers have got. I mean, you'll get spots like Logan Paul and Ricochet with two high-flying fuckers that don't seem to have much regard for themselves. Mm-hmm. We'll go at it, they're crazy fucking move. Mm-hmm. You'll get your surprise entrance, you'll get your, oh my god, fucking so-and-so is eliminated, so-and-so, we didn't see that. Mm-hmm. Like, you're never disappointed with Rumble. Mm-hmm. Even if the matches either side of the Rumble are kind of subpar, the Rumble itself is always like, right, this is what we're here for, mm-hmm. the Rumble. Who's coming back? And sometimes you'll know who's expected to come back, and even though you know they're coming back, mm-hmm. You'll be sitting there, and you'll be sitting there, and then you'll hear the buzzer, and you'll hear the music, and you'll go, Ah, I knew it was coming! I knew it! I knew it! I knew it! Tell me you didn't do that the year Edge came back. Oh, yeah. I remember the year Edge came back. I'd heard people rumour about it, and I'd just tell them, Oh, you're talking passionately. Ah, he's, he's broke. The guy, you told he could be paralysed if he hit one more spear. Even though he hit a spear at the previous year SummerSlam, I still didn't believe it. And weirdly enough, I was sitting in... We're in a lot of chairs in my pal's house, so I got one of these big spare phone chairs, and I was sitting kind of middle way in the room. I had a drink underneath my chair. I had taken a drink, and I had bent over in my chair to pick it up as the buzzer went. And I kind of used, and the you think you know we haven't. And I did the bug like, big bolt up, like, what? What? No, bollocks. Until I seen his face, I didn't believe it. Were you expecting to see Gilbert in a wig? I thought it was some sort of shenanigans going on. Well, like Shane O'Mac coming out and going, ah, just pretending. Fannies. Right, I like, I like the rumbles. I think it's the rumble, but a lot of people, will, some people will, out there will say SummerSlam because when you think about it, the way the year goes, right? See, they'll say it, but you know the problem is? It's not right. wrong. Is it cause, mainly because of the way the year usually works. It's like, we're rumble to me, a building up to the biggest show, all these big matches and everything. Then you get to the summer ones. Some matches you'll pay off immediately the next few but some matches you'll build to the <coughs> SummerSlam if they're important enough. Yeah. And in case of like the rest, most of the summer is building up to what's going to be happening at SummerSlam, and then that's when you get some other big matches. Mm. Some people see it as kind of the, the secondary WrestleMania thing. Yeah, I, I still would say it's Royal Rumble. But, but my whole point is basically yeah. a show like SummerSlam, where it's number two or number three or whatever, in terms of importance after WrestleMania, 
you you still need to have more thought into your world title booking because you don't even have enough to do video packages. They did a Sunday Night Heat brief video package where it's like, oh look, here's Randy Orton, here's Randy Orton talking in a promo, and then here's him flashing back to other things that happened, like when he hit when he hit our RPO the previous week on on Chris Benoit. That was a, that was a, that was not a lot, but it was still something. And that same video page, Benoit comes in and goes, "Oh yeah, you saw the footage, but you didn't show the footage of the time I made you tap out." What are you talking about? You never made me tap out. Grabs his hand, puts him in a crossface. <laughs> Even that, like, what was what happened on Raw when Chris Benoit put him in a crossface? Like, give us something before he comes out. Yeah. I always remember this. I'm pretty sure I had an action figure or in and this like colored gear, one of the kind of orangey, yeah, kind of the peachy gear. He comes out and and I love it. Yeah, he comes up to the evolution thing because he doesn't have, yet have his own music. I just, you know, the thing I loved most about this match. What was that? It was relatively short. It's, it was twenty minutes long. Oh well, we've done enough to make it seem short then. Yeah, well, like he comes out in the the evolution. You would, would get his burning my light team a few weeks later. Yeah. Which apparently Randy Orton didn't like. No. No. He said, he said it sounded like something a teenage girl would listen to. That was his opinion of it. Well, at the time you were a teenage girl, Randy. <laughs> well, it turns out to be here, but he's actually backstage, yeah. Yeah. But he comes out to the ocean theme, and uh, I love Jerry Logan. You got a camera, Jerry? Take a picture. Oh, yeah, I got. I always carry one in my pocket, okay? <laughs> this, is, this is a great moment. This is a... You keep talking about that word, destiny. This is going to be... The, it is Randy Orton's destiny, Jr. to be the youngest world heavyweight champion in history. Really pushing this. He's the youngest world heavyweight champion in history. Oh yeah, I have to push it. Because, one, it's not for the WWE because we know who the youngest WWE champion is. Yeah, that's Jericho, right? Brock Lesnar. Oh, Brock, yeah. We won his title from The Rock when he was 25. Yeah. Which we'll talk about it in the next summer time we talk about, which is 2002. But, and we're not doing this so quickly after Brock left for any petty reasons. No, no. So we can give the youngest world champion spot onto someone else. No, no. We genuinely... Want to do this? We're definitely not fast tracking this. No, no, not at all. Hmm. Not at all. We, we mean, we wanted to keep the belt on the big beasties, and if if he hadn't buggered off, it wouldn't have been on Benoit in the first place. But hmm. he left. I oh, know they were. I was going to put the belt on Benoit, but if he hadn't left, maybe they would have have him won the belt back from Eddie or do a rematch with Eddie. Or had him destroy Benoit. Well, they were on different shows. So. Understand. Could have done it just for fun. I'm just saying. Anyway, the fans are more interested in the fact that Earl Hebner is refereeing this match. Despite not being in Calgary or Montreal or in Toronto, with Earl Hebner as the referee, and there's very loud, you screwed Brett chance there. But eventually, years later, Earl Hebner would lean into this and come out at TNA live events with a shirt saying, you're damn right I did. Yeah. Even though he didn't screw Brett, he was told to screw Brett. And the whole thing is that people gave him shit for years saying, Oh, you swore in your kid's life to Bradley. Aye, but on most of the Vision events I hear, he gets told by Brett, I think they're going to ask you to screw me. And he goes, I swear in my life, I'll tell them no. And then he gets told by Vince Beasley, fucking do it. <laughs> and well, he got told by, he got, to, he got asked this very simple question by Jerry Briscoe. Mm-hmm. He was asked, does Brett pay your royalty checks? Mm-hmm. Nah, do you want a job the next day? Aye, we'll do what you're asked to do. I love. I always heard the stories. Oh, he had a he had he, had, he told his brother Dave to have the car waiting. Oh, he did have that. Aye. and then you watch the footage back, and you see as soon as he does a ring the bell, the fastest you've ever seen Earl Hebner fucking moving your life. He's out of there, and yeah. he's up to the bit. I watched. Uh, I watched the uh, Dark Side of the Ring Montreal screw job the other night, uh-huh. 
And uh, I like the bit on that where uh, uh, Jim Cornette's talking, mm -hmm. and he said he was much the same as Errol Hebner. Mm -hmm. That night he was like, fuck this, I'm leaving before anything hits the fucking fan. Mm -hmm. And he says he was leaving the parking lot, he seen a set of lights behind him, mm -hmm. and he was like, I can only imagine that was Errol. <laughs> you know? And he's like, I beat Errol at the building. Mick Foley apparently nearly left because of all that, the Montreal thing. Like, you no, know, Rick Rude left, obviously, and Bill Duggan yeah, and I heard a lot of stories in regards to that. On the Montreal thing, table, they're saying, look, Vince got a lot of them together the day after we were meeting, uh -huh. and he said, look, I done what I had to do, protecting my company. If any of you want to leave, come see me. I'll give you a release. I think he did. Uh, and according to a lot of them, none of them left. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, a lot of them were all talk. All of them were, no, they just did and gave Sean shit and so basically went to Triple H like, you're my only pal now, protect me. So they say. No, well, I think Sean... Then delved into the drugs a bit more in the next couple of months because Sean had to act like he didn't know anything about it, even though he did. Like I think it was actually an interview a couple of years into his retirement the first time that he officially admitted, "Yeah, I was in on it." Yeah. But he, but he remained adamant. Like, was that an interview where he clearly seemed drunk? Was wearing the red polo shirt, was spitting chewing tobacco? Pretty much, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's that one. Well, he had that cocky and drunk what of it face on him. Yeah. I think I say the thing about Floyd because I've read his first book, Have a Nice Day, and there's a whole chapter and about that. And he apparently he had a phone call with Brett, and Brett basically told him like, like mate, you Brett basically told him, thank you, you're a family man. Like, listen, I appreciate the 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 effort and everything, and how passionate you feel. Like, don't do this to your, because like, and then you got had you like Cornet and 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 Gr phone him as well, basically telling him similar things. So eventually, he calmed down a bit to Floyd and, and went. To, he missed the role immediately afterwards, but he went the following role. The very fact that this is coming for Brett's book leaves it... No, right. no, this is from Foley's book. Oh. I've read both books. Well, the very fact it's coming for Foley's, Foley's book leaves a question to him. I mean, he's had a lot of hits on the heat. How well is he going to remember things? I mean, Foley's never does enough again. I think when he doesn't remember something, he, may, he talks about it. Mm. But then again, even if he doesn't remember it, he, he probably could have watched it back, because he says, like, the Hell in a Cell, or Spotting the Hell in a Cell, he had to watch back a few times before it he fully remembered. Because so, hmm. of the bumps he took on the head. Anywho. Hell, Paul even said that first book he wrote by hand. Which is weird. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, the fans don't like Earl Hefner. Yeah. There's a very slow knuckle lock sequence. So it's almost fast start. But Orin does have a cool counter to the sharpshooter, because Benoit Kizer in Canada probably tries to do a sharpshooter. They mention... Benoit spending some time in the Hart family dungeon. Yeah. Well, we never tired of mentioning that crap back then. Benoit hits a DDT to Orton on the apron, which looked nasty, and then uh, Benoit, further adding to his head trauma, goes for a dive and Orton moves out of the way. Mm. It's not the sickest dive he would ever do. The sickest one is, I think it's Rumble 01, where he does the dive right into a swinging chair from Jericho. Yeah. Which is hard to watch. Even though he's diving and going like that, he still doesn't get his hands up enough to protect himself. Yeah. Anyway, there's a scramble at the crossface. Uh, Randy Orton pulls or uh, Ben was outside and throws his arm into the post. And like I said, I'm a bit like you surprised of a lot of stuff they try. They fit in here. One spot I always remember was other than the finishes. Ben Wall going for the dive, and Randy doesn't get. His, he's up. He sticks his feet up into the air, mm. and his face runs around his feet like he didn't get his knees up here. Those were feet. Mm. 
And this is a story for a couple of reasons, not just that Randy Orton won, he has that accolade of winning this World Heavyweight Champion in history. It's the first time, I believe, that that, that JR was the, word, the phrase, Oh, RKO out of nowhere! Hey, it's a Randy Orton popular thing that would become a meme which actually gave more non-wrestling fans awareness of Randy Orton and everything. Mm. Became Randy's thing for years after this. He's also the RKO was a big, was a, was a over move beforehand, but I think it's from here onwards that it really cements the RKO as a finish for Randy. Yeah. But anyway, again, avoids more in terms of shadow goes for the crossface, ducks around RKO, and in twenty just over twenty minutes, Randy pins him. And Randy Orton, I love that Randy Orton does do the whole it's set in face like mm. shortly. Do you believe it, Jar? It's destiny, <laughs> destiny, Jar. And he's crying. He's well, not clutching on the bell and everything. Like, yes, I did it. The fans were cheering Norton by the end of this match, actually, as well, which is really... Aye. But again, Benoit, being from, from Canada originally. I bet, the, I bet the company were crying about, oh, no, they didn't, the Canadians didn't cheer for the Canadian. Well, they were actually, but they were, they were about to turn Orton face against Triple H, so I don't think they care. Like, oh, people are responding to him. Maybe he will be a good face. Yeah. He wasn't. People weren't responding to it. Benoit. Hmm. Good idea to take the belt off him. So they, t- they do the whole post-match handshake. Anyone hesitates as Ben Wall screams him, Come on! Be a man! Come mm. on! And then the shoot ends and then uh, SummerSlam goes off air where Randy plays the belt. There, on the DVD that I have of this, there are two like, special features. One of Ben Wall kind of, kind of being very emotional because like, the whole thing of me is waiting for the many years it took for me to get it and now he's lost it and then is any there come for him? Like, don't worry, man. Like, you worked all this way to get, you know, you'll get it back. And well, reasonable. You, you start again tomorrow and all that. And then you have Todd Grisham coming to the Evolution Rock room as they're all celebrating, like, yay, Randy, he did it. And basically told him to, then basically told him to fuck off. Yeah. Then he goes, we got some celebrating to do. And we're afraid to look goes, you know, girls, stuff like that, stuff you wouldn't like. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so. Yeah, it's a two out of three for, for Evolution because Batista lost but Triple H won and so did Randy. And the whole thing with the spot that Batista got at WrestleMania, that was supposed to be Randy's spot. Like, I don't know if Randy would have won the Rumble. Yeah. I assume they would have built another way for Randy to get to Mia, which means between the two who ended up going to Mia, maybe Cena would have won the Rumble in, in an alternative universe. Mm. Uh, but the whole point... So the next, they don't waste time because the very next night on Raw, he, they do the rematch between Benoit... And Randy Orton, and this is the first properly. I remember this was. I said this summer time was one of the first summer times I remember watching in Phil. One of the first proper betrayals I remember seeing on TV is Triple H when pieces got round up in each other. Hey, thumbs up, thumbs down, yeah. and just drops Randy batters him, even bloody hit him with the belt, pedigree, everything. Sammy Callahan, uh, thumbs up, thumbs, thumbs down. down. It's like Orton, you made a choice, and you chose to take my title. That's my. F-. And he goes like, you know, we can avoid any any further bloodshed here. Just hand me the belt, Randy. And Randy smits his face down. He goes to hand him the belt. Triple H grabs him, but he doesn't let go of it. And Randy spits in the face of Triple H. <laughs> and then the next week he gets his, uh, his burn my light theme. And he plays the baby face. And all of you will say, like, oh, it's because he was a bad baby face that they took the belt off him so soon. No. Apparently, they were always going to take the belt off him unforgiven, which is still was a mistake. But the whole thing was he was meant to be the baby face on Raw to lead to the eventual getting the belt back at Mania. The fact that he doesn't win the belt back at Mania was because he was a shit babyface. Mm. So he loses it there, goes into a feud, which is actually underrated with uh, with Ric Flair at Tabby Tuesday, where they have a, they actually may have ended the show in a really cool cage match. Mm-hmm. 
Bertie Bell and the fact that Randy Orton, like I used to respect you, like now all people remember Ric Flair for is that guy who kissed Triple H's ass. Mm. And then Randy Orton led a Survivor Series team against Triple H's team, which Randy's team won. Randy came close to winning the world title in the Elimination Chamber, but lost. Mm. Then had the match with Triple H at Royal Rumble 5. Lost there, and that's when they officially went like, yeah, Randy, you as a face is not working. Turn heel again, be a legend killer. Because we've got a spot with you against The Undertaker. Mm-hmm. Or, to put more bluntly, they probably brought, probably brought Teddy Long in to say, Randy, you're going to go one-on-one with The Undertaker. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay, you always got to get Teddy Long in somewhere. Well, Teddy Long just came in but right before Bradshaw got, had to face The Undertaker. So, right Where, from, from the very... there is opportunity for, for the Teddy. From, so, from the very beginning of his, his time, he was putting people one-on-one with The Undertaker. Whenever there's opportunity for the Teddy, you go long with it. And also, that was the whole thing with the Batista. Nothing. No. Prick. The whole thing with Batista, remember his betrayal of, of Triple H at the contract, saying his one was a callback to the Randy one with the. And uh, then that would be Batista's thing where he did the Powerbomb, you do that, thumbs up, thumbs mm. down, Powerbomb. And as you said, now Sammy Callahan does it. Does it better than that. Yeah, Randy Orton. Got this one, and then he wouldn't have a property over in again until 2007. And then for a few years, it was hard to get him away from the bastard and belt. Yeah, yeah, it's good to see. Yeah. Built on a competent champion. But then he would take for the WWE title, but then he wouldn't go back to the really to the big gold belt until 2011, where he had a very. A, a, one of my favourite feuds of the year against, against uh, Christian. He in that match at SummerSlam with that dive off the thing, Archeo Christian, a set of steel steps. Who won that match? Well, Orton did. Good. Like the spot with the RKO on the steel steps, which I always remember. Yeah. Anyway, yes, that is how SummerSlam 2004 ended with Randy Orton as world heavyweight champion. Yeah, it was all shits and giggles. Well, for him, yeah. yes. All shits and giggles with a volleyball match and an unnecessarily long Undertaker match. Yes. Some weirdness on the undercard, but you know, there was also stuff to enjoy. I like Randy. This is Benoit. The opening six-man tag is a fun wait, fun opener. The crowd are always funny to watch, and obviously when you watch WWE's reaction to them, you had Angle versus Eddie. Mm. I think Triple H versus Eugene, despite everything they might think about Eugene. Oh, it was a great match. It was a good match. So, like you can, you a lot of people can fault the character of Eugene. But you can't even fault the guy's in-ring ability. Yeah. So for, any, for everything bad, there's something good, I think, on this show, is my opinion. And I, I remember, have to agree. I remember when we started this, what felt like so long ago, you, you being surprised that you seem to have enjoyed it as much as you did. But again, that's due to the fact that, with the exception of John Cena, I think it may have been John Cena. Yeah. Oh, John Cena and Edge, but they didn't treat Edge like a face. With the exception of those two, it was an all-heel victory. On this yeah, night. yeah. The, the thing for me was, all the matches with heels won, I was invested in. See all the matches where heels didn't win. I didn't give a fuck. What's weird is though, Taker hits JBL belts. JBL technically does win by DQ. It's not a case of like the face wins by DQ, but the, the heel heats the belt. But I'm, I think maybe because I haven't seen it in so long, I was convinced Taker won by DQ somehow. But do you know what? He didn't. I'm just saying. Well, either way, he didn't leave with the belt, so that's all that matters. Aye, he didn't. He didn't. Aye, he didn't. Aye. Didn't. Aye. Didn't. Aye. Yeah. Well, I know how he did, me. Well, he did he didn't just he? did, me. Well, where would your thumbs be as we round out this this review? You give me a single thumbs up? 
I'll give it a single thumbs up as well. I only give a single thumbs up because it was not a universally overall brilliant SummerSlam. Yeah. It was a pretty fucking good SummerSlam. Yeah. And all the quality matches in it were serious quality. Mm-hmm. The standout for me being the Eddie and Kurt match yeah. was a standout for me. Like, any time those two fuckers were in the ring... And I'll admit, right, character-wise, I was never the biggest Eddie guy. Uh-huh. But my God, I had respect for the guy in ring. He was phenomenal in ring. And when he was in there with the right opponent, mm-hmm. magic, man. You know, every time Eddie wrestled, especially an Eddie Angle match or an Eddie Benoit match, mm-hmm. fire, man, fire. Yeah, I think, given the weird time period that this is going on in and everything in terms of business and... You know, the product's not it's well, that, uh, where, where it was before, a few years earlier. Well, considering that, plus you've got to consider the fact that in a year's time, few of those people are going to not be there now. Yeah. Or be very much down the card. Like, by 05, I think Benoit was slowly falling down the card. Well, the following year, you know what Benoit does? He squashes Orlando Jordan to win the US title. All right, fair <laughs> and enough. The, and the open, right? And then he does it so quickly. They keep became a run joke of, like, every time Benoit fought Orlando Jordan, he beat him in quicker, quicker fashion. And he did a thing like, here, I'm going to make this cup of coffee. Let's see how long it takes me, how much quicker I can make this cup of coffee than it is I can beat Orlando Jordan. (laughs) 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 One of the few bits of comedy from Chris Benoit you'll ever see. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, not a funny man. Funny looking, maybe, but not funny. You wouldn't have said that, though. Not to his face, no. Not to his face. He might have took it personal. God forbid I offend Chris Benoit. You don't want him to take it personal. Anyway, yeah, and then also the fact that even in the next year, by even by SummerSlam next year, people are booing Cena. A lot of hardcore fans are going to the aforementioned Ring of Honor or TNA. Yeah, because at that point, those were both the shit to watch. Well, I mean, a month after SummerSlam 05, we have the, the as of yet, I think still five, only five star TNA match of the that famous unbreakable triple threat with AJ, Joe, and Daniels. Yeah, yeah. So basically, cemented that that was the. Promotion for pure wrestling, but in terms of pure wrestling, also this is a thumbs up. The next SummerSlam we're going to talk about next week is SummerSlam 02. Mm-hmm. And Phenomenal. Like, well, the two main story driven matches are also Brock Rock and Sean Tripp. Sean Tripp. The undercard, especially when the SmackDown side, it gives the LEDs of the brand split, is stacked with some quality wrestling. You've got, oh, yeah, you've yeah. got Jericho versus Ric Flair, you've got Rey Mysterio versus Nat Angle, you've got Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit. No. Yeah, there's another two I think, I, think I think it's Eddie Benoit, or, like, or I think one of them fights RVD, but yeah. it's that kind of mix. I think one of them is the RVD, Edge, Eddie Guerrero, and Benoit. There's a combination of those four in, in two different single matches. I can't remember which one it is, but whatever combination, you know it's going to be a bang. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we have to fight, we have to sit through Test v Taker, but you got to have everything you want. <laughs> Not we can take her, apparently. No, but you do. Well, we're gonna have Booker T and Goldust on the card, challenging for the tag team titles. Oh. I think against Christian and someone, Landstorm, maybe I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I think it's some combination of the Un-Americans, because I know Tess yeah. is an Un-American, and Taker's fighting them because he is American, American badass. Damn it, you're America. Yep. But he's also short-haired Taker, so you know he'll put in more of an effort than the ah. than the first Taker we were looking at in SmackDown. Yeah. <sighs> You just the thought of uh, of watching that uh, test wrestle Undertaker's giving Paul terrible hiccups. Absolutely horrible. Bloody is, because they won't go away just yet. Mm. Oh, God. 
So that is all the time we have until next time. Hopefully the SummerSlam 2 will not be split into in two parts. Hopefully not. We'll get the O2 one recorded, hopefully out to you before I leave for Wembley, <sighs> if I'm not already there. And hope probably when I come back from Wembley, when the bed at time, we'll record our final, third and final SummerSlam review, which will be 1998. Yep. We're going back in terms of how good the business is doing. So until then, make sure you follow us on Twitter at SPRambling on uh, Twitter. Rogue Opinions, Rogue Underscore Opinions is where we're also available. We'll get them on Twitter there. Uh, get them on Instagram and that as well. Get me, Eskimo Clay 1996. Follow our Facebook page, forward slash Ramblin Podcast. Get our feed and the Rogue Opinions wherever you get your podcasts Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, everywhere. And that is obviously all we have to, to really say about this. Yeah. That has been Summer Slam. It's He's been Scott. I've been Paul. I have been Scott and that's been Paul. I've almost said I've been Paul. I've not, I'm not Paul, you're Paul. Oh, you should have said that. The fuck with people's minds. <laughs> Maybe he was Paul all along. Who would know what's the twist ending of the show? Anyway, see you next time for more SummerSlam and less hiccups. Ta-ta. See ya.